Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Soju Chronicles. I am Nat. And I'm Nikki. And we are here to talk all things anime, mangas, dramas, books, and all of the in-between. So let's start with what are you drinking? Um, so today I'm drinking a mixed drink, ginger ale and white Hennessy. Ginger ale because I know I sound very congested, guys. So, you know, ginger ale is medicine. So, <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, I'm actually drinking this thing that I found in my fridge. I bought it, right? But I just totally forgot about it. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So, I'm drinking this thing called Wicked Awesome. It's a New England style IPA. I was going to say, I was going to say that that definitely sounds New England. <laughs> Uh, it's by Nickel Brook Brewing Co. And it's basically just beer. Strong beer at that. Uh, it says. I hate IPAs. <laughs> really? It's all right. Yeah. It's supposed to be fuzzy peach. I don't taste no peach. No peach, sorry. I do taste yeast. Like the hops and whatever that they use in this. But uh. um, the name says it all. A hopped up and ferociously hazy New England style IPA. Wicked Awesome is a tropical juice bomb. Lies. You'll definitely want to sink your teeth into. Um, is that yeah. nice as well? I mean, absolutely. Because it says like malt is supposed to be like, you know, the, f- the flaked old sweet malt, golden promise, pilsner. And I definitely can taste all those things. Hops, yes. Citra, mosaic, Simcoe, yes. Yeast, Vermont ale, yes. I can taste all of these things. And this is like, like orange juice. And I'm like, no, there's none. There's, there's not <laughs> in there. Like, <laughs> this is just beer. <laughs> But the can is kind of cool. It has like this blue tiger. That's, you know, all ferocious. Yeah. I mean, not very New England-esque, I don't think. But it's cool. Nice. Okay. Nice. So we will start then with animes, mangas, comics, cartoons, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> what have you read or watched lately? Um. So I watched. The Legend of Fox Machina. Um, it's on Prime. So, Never heard of it. oh my god, it's actually really good. I actually really enjoyed it. So, this is the description. So, the setting: the series is set in Alexandria, a fictional world created by Matthew Mercer in 2012 for his personal Dungeon and Dragons campaign, which then launched an actual play web series called Critical Role in 2015. Most of the story takes place on the continent of Taldori in locations such as the metropolis of Iman and the city-state of Whitestone, okay? So then the Mm -hmm. synopsis is, wow, this is actually like, well, I'm just reading this off of what Google, off off of what Wikipedia has. Um, Actually, let me go back and see if there's like a different description. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to Wiki because... They all just basically tell you what the show is. So then I guess I don't have to tell you what the show is after that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so this is a synopsis according to Wiki. The first two episodes of the series depict an all-new story about the seven-member Vox Machina team at D&D Level 7 on their first grown-up mission, which occurs prior to Critical World's first RPG show. The series then adapts the Briarwood arc from the original web series in which the Vox Machina crew avenge the murderer 
the murder of the rulers of the town of Whitestone and most of their offspring by the evil Lord and liar, Lord and Lady Briarwood. Um, and so I guess that's what it is. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know why it doesn't describe it. So basically we have this group, you know, it's one of those like, here's a group of misfits and we want them to save our city type thing you know one of those adventure okay. stories yeah. yeah so like the basically it started off like it says the first two episodes they had like a like there was like a specific um arc that they were going through so you have um vex percy pike vax keyleth scanlan and grog so they are the Vox, like they're the members of Vox Machia. So Vex is she's a twin sister of Vax, and they're both half elves. And then Percy, he is the former, like he would have been in line for the throne of Briarwood, um, of uh Whitestone. And the Briarwoods came and they did a coup d'etat on it, right? And so his, like, I guess, specialty is that he... Actually, it was so cute. In the first episode, they did a little song, right? But I'll tell you after I finish telling you what everybody is. So he his specialty is that he's, like, a gunslinger. So he's really good with his gun. And then we have Pike and she is, like, a goddess. And she basically manipulates the Everlight for them and then we have vax who's the other twin and like you know he does the same thing as vex where they're both like you know elfin warriors and then keyleth she is a druid and so she is like earth you know give she gives very much starfire vibes so she but she's like all about earth and healing so she can like call upon nature and all that stuff to Mm. help them and then okay. Scanlan, he's a gnome, and he's like the he Scanlan is like Beast Boy. <laughs> so Teen Titans, just you know, different, slightly different. Honestly, right. yes, that's literally the vibe of this is Teen Titan, but just different. But he's like the um, he's the man, the what's the word? Um, womanizer of the group. He's the womanizer of the group, and then. We have Grog, which is like the muscle essentially. He's like he's like he's a um Goliath barbarian, and so he's like the muscle of the group. So anyway, sort of like the in the first episode, you know, we're introduced to them, and they're literally at like a pub getting shit faced. Meanwhile, like the king of um I forget the name of the place, the king of Iman, whose name is Uriel, and I'm like, listen, why is it that every fucking Uriel is black? in these shows i mean no think about it think about it every almost nine out of ten times when someone's name is uriel they're black in these shows am i wrong i actually can't think of a black uriel right now but i'm not saying that you're wrong i just can't (laughs) like i immediately like when i was watching the animation and i saw that this person was black i was like i bet you his name is like uriel and sure enough (laughs) they were like sovereign uriel and i was like see so he's the king of um, Tal'Dori. And so he's like saying, you know, we have, there's this evil amongst us that we can't get rid of. We need mercenaries. All our best mercenaries are gone, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts to Vox Machina. And they're like literally in a, um, 
bar getting shit faced and picking a fight with someone and then Scanlan does like oh you want to know who we are we're Vox Machina and then starts singing the song and it's just like so ridiculous and I was just cracking up so then you know they leave the like after they get kicked out of the pub they're like oh we're poor we have no money what do we do so then they go they were like they saw this flyer that they need mercenaries so then they go and they try to figure out like how to save the, the kingdom from whatever it is attack is and then it turns out that it's a dragon um and then we got like a little bit of backstory about how the elves so vox and vax their um parents were killed by a dragon and so then they're like oh someone on the council is in cahoots with the dragon and then obviously i knew they were misdirecting because like you know in these shows the obviously evil person is never the evil one you know not in the beginning (laughs) i mean there's levels to this thing you know layers um, yeah like so when they were like they were like oh it must be uh i forgot his name but they were like i bet you he's the one in cahoots with the dragon i was like "Eh, it's probably the military man and the reason why i knew it was the military man was because everyone else was able to escape from so like after they Vox Machina went and they found out that it was a dragon, um, the dragon kind of like you know destroyed them whatever, and so then he disappeared and went back to like you know the civilization and they were like we can't do this we're gonna leave blah blah blah, and then the same time the king had the army go back up there and then the the, the dragon literally killed everyone except one of the the colony members the and I was like guy. oh. I was like, yeah, he's the fucking guy. Like, obviously. Like, I'm like, obviously, he's the dragon. Like, you know? Because, like, why did everybody else in the camp die but him? So then, you know, obviously, they find out that he's a dragon and they defeat him. So then the king was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to welcome you in. And so when they, when he decides that he's going to welcome him in, they're having like a huge, um, like, ball um luncheon whatever to like meet the different kingdoms and all that stuff and then the briarwoods come and that's where we find out percy's backstory of how the briarwoods like you know murdered his entire family and took over whitestone and like all that stuff and so then they're like why didn't you tell us and then they got into a fight and then like it was really good like the briarwoods like the um lady briarwood she resurrected silas like you find out later that she actually resurrected him and that's why he became a vampire because like she had to use her magic to resurrect him and then you find out that like um pike was her soul was being blocked with like um the heaviness so she wasn't able to be the true priestess that she's supposed to be because she ends up losing like her powers at one point and then the same thing happens with um uh what's her name the the with keyleth the same thing happens with keyleth and then keyleth and vax kind of like form a bond and he's like i love you and honestly um vex was like a little like she was acting a little bit jealous and i'm like you want to fuck your brother like what is this vibe that i'm getting why are you You looking at him like that in television these days that just seems to be a regular occurrence so i I was like why are you looking at him like that but yeah but when so they end up like you know traveling to whitestone and to fight the briarwoods and all that stuff and then percy ends up reuniting with his um sister but his sister was like under the influence of the briarwoods and then like it was a whole lot and i loved it i actually really really enjoyed it and um I recognize like certain people's voices like when um the 
leader who was in the um white stone i was like that's fucking gina torres and then like lady kima knew right off the bat it was stephanie bertrand i was like that's stephanie bertrand because like i could recognize the voices you know but um there was so basically what happens at the end is that like you know they were able to defeat the briarwoods um percy almost lost his soul because he had a demon take over him um and so then they had to like bring him out whatever so they go back to um Taldori and they're getting honored it was actually kind of funny I like, I actually really I'm not like I'm not gonna lie like I would rewatch it because like I really enjoyed it but it was actually kind of funny because like there was a scene where he was like the king was like talking he was like you know evil came and destroyed our our community or something like that and then he was like but thanks to Vox Machina and there, because like you can see that they were nervous because they thought he was they, he was gonna throw them in the dungeon again because he had locked them up like previously and he was like, but thanks to Vox Machina we're okay and they were like, oh and they like do like an audible breath of relief. Yeah. But then um Vex she starts like tumbling over and holding her head. So like earlier on from like episode one, you we were told that Vex can sense when dragons are near. So, like, when she holds her head and turns over, all of a sudden, they look up, and there's, like, five dragons flying towards the kingdom. And that's how the season ends. And I'm like, I hope it got renewed for season two, because I would love to see more of this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I figured that Amazon Prime had anime. I just never thought to look for it there. So, it actually... I didn't look for it or anything either. What happened was... We were watching Rings of Power, right? Mm -hmm. And then it came up next and was, like, suggested. And so I just clicked on it. That's literally what happened. But I liked it. I would give it a 9 out of 10 because I would definitely rewatch it. Okay. That is cool, cool, cool. I will definitely have to check it out. Um, I've only heard, like, I I know that Gina Torres and Stephanie Beatrice do voice work, but the Uh only like stuff that I've ever heard them in are DC stuff because mm-hmm. um Gina Torres did Wonder Woman yes and Stephanie Beatrice I can't remember which superhero she did but she did a superhero too but that's really interesting that they're doing other voices other sorry characters and different types of genres too get that bag get that <laughs> anyways okay so I watched Jojo's Bizarre Adventure stone ocean and this is the second part of stone ocean if you recall stone ocean deals with jotaro's daughter his estranged daughter uh, kujo and the first part of this was like she got caught she got like framed for murder that she didn't commit by her boyfriend and she was put in jail and then her stand came about and like all these people started trying to fight her with their stands and it was like real fucked up and weird. Um, and so part two was actually even weirder. Um, honestly, I feel like the whole time frame was like a week, even though there was like 14 episodes, it just felt like it wasn't like a real time frame that any of this stuff happened because she doesn't like, she gets thrown back into jail kind of, but then ends up having to fight like some some stand people that the priest sent for her and she like she has to like defeat them in you know order of like how badass and strong they are and then 
like they escape and they escape with this stand they don't know it's a stand they don't know that it's like poisoning them and causing them to like their body to decay inside and then there's like a homocule or homoculally i don't know how you pronounce that um but like it was green and it was like a baby and it was born from some i don't know honestly it was very confusing it was kind of gross a lot of it was kind of gross like blood and you know bones and like it was actually like i would say personally the grossest of the jojo's bizarre adventures like the other ones, the guy ones, you know, like, they do a lot, yes, but they don't get gross like this. I feel like from Jolene's first episode, it was, like, outside of the one where I think it was Joseph and that monkey tried to rape a little girl, like, that was, like, the most fucked up thing I'd seen in Bizarre's Adventure, like, episode. But outside of that, I feel like, I don't know, like, I was trying to pay attention, but it was just so gross. But anyways, um... <laughs> Jolene is like I mean there's a part three because she and that little baby boy who was like his mom was a prisoner he was raised he was basically like birthed in the prison in secret and his stand is like that he can create like this secret room that nobody can find so he basically raised himself in this room after his mother died so her and him and the Latin Latin Latino girl I think she's Latino I don't know um but they're about to go fight the priest for the end and he turned into a vampire uh, like a, a form of vampire he doesn't suck blood he just like drains energy from people because the stand has evolved and i mean the whole point is like it's not even really about jolene like i think that's the part that is really weird to me because the whole point of like this priest guy going after um jolene is to get to her dad like literally the whole point is to get him into the prison because his stand is that he can steal memories from you and in the form of CDs, like like CDs, actual CDs. So he was doing all of this so he could get that from Jotaro. And yeah, it, so it's like not even really about Jolene. It's not like about Narciso, Weather Report, Enrico, like all these other things. They, uh, so it's a homon, was it homonculus? Homonculus? Uh -huh. That's what that little baby, that little green baby something so is. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's weird looking. And Poochie is the um, priest guy. And like, yeah, it's very, very strange. I will say one thing that was really funny that I, well, I thought was really funny anyways was Narciso. Uh, he was like um, a prisoner and he was in love with, Jotar with Jolene. And he was just like, like there was a time when she lost her ability to speak because one of the stand like literally was like caused her tongue to like get holes in it and whatever and so she could speak and he like and it was like one of those like funny exchanges where she can't speak and he thinks it's because she's so overcome with love for him and she's like that thing behind us is going to murder us you sick fuck <laughs> do something and he's just like oh, i feel it i feel it between us jolene i know you don't have to say the words I like you don't have to say the word. It was like really funny. But um, yeah, that was it. Uh out of 10, I'm definitely not gonna watch Jolene's like again. I, I just know I won't. I think I'll go back to the first season because I think that still is the best. That and uh -huh. Joe Taro's is like pretty good. Because Joe Taro's was like also with Joseph, his like father or grandfather. Um, so I would probably go back to those, but Jolene's has been like just like from the first episode, it's just not. No bueno. Um, so I'm gonna give it like 
a three out of ten. And then I also watched oh, part two. Three. Wow. Yeah. It's not good. Um, I also watched Bastard, as we recall, um, was a fantastic show that I'd watched earlier this year. I say that, you know, sarcastically, because it was really, really bad. It was that, you know, that story <laughs> of um <laughs> Dark Schneider, the wizard, I guess who is like trapped into Lucian's body and Lucian Renly's body. And, you know, Tia Yoka, or Yoka, as you want to call her, um, she she can unlock Dark Schneider by kissing him because it's a kiss of a virgin that, you know, brings him about. And the first season was like really, really fucking ridiculous, like over the top, like no actual like sex, but like very, very close to it. Like, he was fingering everybody. Like, it was very strange. Oh, my um, God. What is this show? You've not... Uh, you, I told you about it, Bastard. And that was the one when um, I put up, like, those screen, like those videos of me watching it on TV on our um, Twitter page. And it was just, like, ridiculous thing. Like, you know, um, oh, you you have this poison. You, I have to suck it out. And, of course, like, where they suck it out is, like, right by the cooch area. So it's, like, visually, you're just, like, oh, you're like, oh. And it's like, <laughs> oh god, like, you've never. Oh my god, it's so stupid. But I will say, season the, two, this season actually, is so much better. Actually, was better. It had stakes. It had story. It toned down that sexual stuff. I think it was more self-aware. Like it was a lot more smarter about it. Like Dark Schneider was always saying speeches like, "How dare you come to this town where this handsome young hero is." trying to have a good time you know and he's like you know how dare you hurt my sidekick and you know like it was like very self-aware instead of like the like before they just did it for the sake of doing it I think they were maybe tying it too closely to the manga I've never read the manga but that's what I'm assuming but season two like as I said it actually had a point it had and also too because his quote-unquote harem because I assume that's what they're supposed to be in the manga um, Uh we had already discovered them and we knew who they were at this point. So there wasn't these, like, stories where, like, he would, you know, they'd be enemies and then they'd fall in love with him and then he'd finger them and touch their boobs or whatever. And oh, then God. they would, like, <laughs> go to his side. So, like, we didn't have that as much um, because all of the the harem was discovered. Like, we know who these people are, okay? Um, so I will say they rammed up the him and um, Nay stuff. So Nay is, like, the Empress of Lightning. She's, like, a half-elf. And he mm-hmm. raised her, and then, like, they started a sexual relationship. So he's, like, her dad, but also her lover. It's And they, honestly, I feel like they played that up for jokes. What is, like, they what is going played on with jokes. all the incest lately on TV? Or the pseudo I don't incest? Know. I don't know, but it's, like, really, really funny. I'm actually going to put a video up later, because it's, like, um, Gara, who's actually one of my favorite characters. He's, like, this really buff dude who's, like, who um, Dark Schneider, he calls him his sidekick. Which he kind of is, but, you know, he, he's he's one of those people, he's like the straight-laced guy, like, dude, can we focus on a plan so we can save the day kind of person? And um, there was a scene where, like, Dark Schneider at the beginning, like, he's dead. He kills himself to, like, free Nay from this, like, um, curse that she put on herself. Like, she was cursed until he died, so he pull- ripped his heart out so she wouldn't have to kill him. And so there's a scene where, like, this undead army is coming, and it's, like, in the first or second episode, and um, Gara is, like, the, he's one of the heavenly 
generals or some shit and he but he's in charge of the ninjas and so when the ninja comes up and is like you know how are we gonna survive this blah 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 blah. and he's like what about nay and then um like gara like literally like not even sarcastically or, or no shade was like you know she's not gonna be any use to us she just lost the man who was her father and then her lover and i was like what what? Not what? this Queen Elizabeth T going on and right then, now. And then the night he so he comes back, he brings he he did this cursing so he could come back, right? And he's in bed with her and he's like, You're like my favorite daughter, but they're like both naked. And I'm like, and the whole time he's talking to her, he's like taking her clothes off. And I'm like, what? And then she's like leaning into him, she's like, Fine, if you want me to be your daughter, I'll be your daughter. And I'm like, what what is this <laughs> it was so stupid like it was so ridiculous but it was like not as boring because there were, as i said there was actual stakes so the bad guys are actual like bad guys and not like you know trying to be like sexual jokes as bad guys like the last time when there was that weird one that was like almost looked like a dick but it wasn't a dick it was weird um but this season actually had like um like um had a gargoyle it had this like undead skeleton dude who like if you look at him you 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 basically start to decay and then they fought like another joke the big bad this season his name is abigail so i was laughing every time they're like oh my god it's the dark lord the sorcerer supreme blah 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 abigail and i'm like (laughs) abigail (laughs) were we watching something and they were like like no, it wasn't. No, no. Okay, I know what it was. Never mind. It wasn't you. Mm. I was watching something with my friend, and he was like, "My name is Leslie." No, it wasn't Leslie. It was something else. And he was like, "It's a unisex name," and I was like, <laughs> "I know." That's what I'm thinking every time. Like, you're not very scary with a name like Abigail, but like, even with that, like, he actually, you know, was a bad guy worth, you know, being the be- the big bad for the season. So. As I said, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I liked the lore. I liked that people returned. Like, basically, you know, um, they're still fighting the same team. It's just that, like, last season, um, all the people they fought worked for Abigail because that's also who um, Dark Schneider used to work for or, you know, worked with. And so he had to, like, recoup his people. So, like, name. Bitch, I kid you the fuck not. His name was Abigail. I just Googled it. His name was (laughs) Abigail. And that's why he was like, it's a unisex name, like, Leslie. And and, um, Leslie and something else. And I was like, is it, though? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, this this was funny because it was, like, you know, the, the most evil man on on the earth and like he eats babies for a living and just like what's his name abigail and i'm like okay like i i think you thought you did something with that but you're you did nothing but anyways um yeah so last season dealt with like him taking his people back either through his sheer sexual magnitude i guess with the women who became his harem or through gara just you know respect i guess and so this season was just more of a continuation of that because you're fighting the same bad guy, um, but you're just fighting the big bad or the big baddest of the bad. And as I said, there were stakes. There were, a lot of people died. I'm pretty sure that Yoko and Dark Schneider died. This would be his like third death actually at this time, but he died again. 
and Lucian, I don't know if Lucian disappeared. I don't really get the ending. I'll be very honest with you. It's like, you know, Yoko sacrificed herself for Dark Schneider by tossing um, Abigail off of a cliff because they're like rocks were already getting loose. And, you know, at this point, Dark Schneider had lost most of his body. He was literally just like his upper torso and one arm. That's all he had left. And he was crying on the floor because he lost his dick. So there was that. And then so Yoko knocked this man off the cliff he died because he fell on like the sharp pointy stuff of a tie of like a tower so he fall he fell right on that so he died yoko fell into the water but i assume she died and then um dark schneider because yoko is the person he cares for the most it's the person he loves the most out of everybody in his harem he actually hasn't asked like had sex with anybody like this whole time um even with everything that's going on like he was literally at dinner with people and sitting next to the princess and just started like put his hand under her top and his other hand in her panties while they're talking to like generals like it was really strange but he, he that's the extent of the things that he does the story is supposed to show that he actually does love yoko more than anything else and he's like kind of not fully cheating on her but kind of cheating on her if you know what i mean um so <laughs> He so basically after Yoko quote unquote died, he decided to give up, and that caused Lucian to also give up, and then the whole place kind of blew up. Like there's a huge crater, there's a big energy blast. Everyone's like, I don't think anybody could survive that. I don't know. But then we saw at the end of it that a new group of baddies are sort of like mobilizing. So obviously Dark Schneider has to come back, and you saw in this like other plane of existence, Yoko and Dark Schneider together like their their spirits i guess so um that's the cool thing i will say one of the things that i totally forgot about it because i think last season was just so ridiculous and stupid and there's so much information was that this is actually the present but like and the present is supposed to be like more of like feudal or medieval europe that's kind of like the aesthetic right but mm-hmm. that happened after like the city that we live in now so, like, the city that we live in now had that big war battle. Um, the angel slash demon came. Everything sort of got decimated, fucked up, and people had to start all over again. And so mm-hmm. that was, like, the interesting kind of concept. Because I totally forgot about it until I was watching this. And I was like, oh, wait, we did start the show in, like, 2022. And, you know, like, okay. And then they, it, it's not, like, a feudal era. Not, like, you know, Inuyasha or something where you, like, go back and forth. It's more like that is the free that's the future, which I mean makes sense when you think about what's coming. So all right, okay. So I actually did enjoy it. Would I rewatch it? Hmm. I think I actually would rewatch it to understand maybe the ending a little bit better, just because it was very confusing. Um, and I actually did like that the rest of his harem came back to to fight after he lost his body. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like I like you know me, found families, and that's what it became. A found family, basically Dark Schneider, his harem, his wife, and his sidekick. That's basically what we have at this point. And it mm-hmm. actually works for me. Um, so yeah, I would give it like a six point five. Okay. I would say nothing higher than that because as I said, they leaned very heavy in the you are my father, also my lover. It was very strange. Um yeah, but that's it for that. <laughs> All right, so let us get into dramas. And we watched a drama. Yeah, not the same Matt, time. Matt but. doesn't know how, Matt always 
if I say, oh, I like this, and that's like, okay, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. We did watch. We watched. So basically, I got Nat to watch um, Love Between Fairy and Devil Guys, which I talked about, which I briefly talked about last week. So I don't need yeah. to, like, we don't need to, like, read the description or anything because we literally just talked about it. But yeah, so how'd you like it? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Obviously, I thought, so I loved it until I think they tried to stretch it a little bit too much. And it was a very empty narrative. So it was kind of like not much going on plot wise, but they needed to fill the episodes and it became very obvious at that point. Um, But I really did enjoy it. I thought it was really funny. I loved every time he was like, you are the most important person, in the world. right? Didn't I, but didn't I tell you? Didn't I not tell you that I was that? Like, like I said last episode, like when he was saying all of that, like you're the most important person in the world to me. I must keep you alive. Your soul exists for me, like stuff like that. Like, obviously, I would think he's in love with me too. Like, right. what? I just she's like. I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't look at you that way. And I'm like, girl, he's not looking at you like that either. So, like, <laughs> that, it was really funny. It was really cute. And they were so good at playing each other. I think that yes. was, like, the part do that you, was, Do like, you remember so how you easy. was, like, when I said, oh, it was body swapping, you were like, ew. And then I was like, no, that's actually why I kept watching it. Because I was like, this is something different that I was seeing with these Shanja. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the body swap wasn't very long. I think that's what it was. It wasn't. They only last, yeah. yeah, it only happened twice, and they lasted for, like, two or three episodes at most. I just thought it was so funny, because I was like, listen, this is how I know this is a Chinese drama and not a Korean drama. The scene when, like, they had swapped bodies a second time, and he was in her body trying to kiss her on the bed. I was like, yeah, this would not happen in a Korean drama. Like, Nope. No, not at all. But um, I thought that was so funny. Um... Honestly, her baby voice, I think, would be, like, the only part that I was kind of, like, about sometimes. Because I was like, ooh, why does she sound like this? Especially since I know that's not what she sounds like completely. Because when she was pretending to be, when she was playing him in her body, she didn't have that voice. So I know, like, it's something she put on for the the role role itself. But that's Um, also how she does, too, in real life. Like, she has that, like, and I'm just like, ugh. Also, but. Chang Heng, he was an annoying little fuck. Like, oh my god! Like, how many times does the girl have to say she don't want you? Like, listen, bruh. did I not say that? I was like, listen, I said it though. I was like, oh, in the first like seven episodes, he's fine, right? Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, he just flips into this like, I will, I'm gonna go to the mortal arc for her, like to redeem myself for her and all that shit. And I'm just like bro take a hit like even when he's asking her like later on like oh if you remembered it do you not love him anymore or is it me that you love now and i'm just like bro bro be for real bffr be fucking for real but then again i can't say nothing because homegirl was also like that anyway um in the beginning at the beginning yeah well she no but not even that no dannying i'm talking about who would just oh, yeah. not leave him alone. <laughs> I mean, until the end. But she actually got that reality check. I like that. She was like, mm, you know, they need to have a God of War. I could be that. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> let's, 
But okay, how stupid though was the thing about her twin sister? Oh my god, stop! I was just like, what? Why is I was like, what? Why? Why did we? What possessed? What possessed this to be a thing? I just I thought it was so stupid. Understand why? Like, because you know, in the role that she was in, right? Like, she did it. She already had a point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's already doing things and and being somebody i can't remember her name what was her name um jilly jilly yes jilly um jilly like had a purpose you know she was obviously gonna like fuck the dragon but also obviously she she knows she had that whole like but also see them making danny her sister when danny was in the mortal realm right Yes, and she had a crush on her, and I'm just like, yeah. once again, pseudo incest comes back around, right? Right. I mean, I did think it was kind of significant at first when she was like, "Do I know you from somewhere?" Because I'm like, I don't think these two have met before. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like, one of the the pleasant surprises about this was I like I know we talked about it before, but I did not expect Rong Hao to be the bad guy to be the well the dude we house. talked about it offline but we can talk about it on here yeah but yes yes that was that was something that really really and like I wouldn't even say he was the bad guy I just Not didn't expect him yeah. yeah I didn't expect him like I literally was so shook when I saw Ron Hao come up um as the, when he, he got yeah because he, he he kidnapped that um who was it? His servant girl who's running, um, who's trying to escape after yes, they got locked yeah, down after on, yeah, after they tried yeah. to yeah, after they tried to kill her during the fairy trials. Yes. Um and when he caught her, and then when I saw that it was him, I was I was genuinely shocked because I didn't expect it. Like I don't know why, I just never I never expected it. And I I, I was I like said this in that too, um, that I actually really enjoyed I think of all the characters, I think Rung Hao had the most like um interesting story in comparison to all the the or male leads just because like you know we understand his entire motivation for what he did you know like here's this goddess who when he was blind and poor and all that stuff like she came and helped him out and then like he was just easily manipulated by the evil spirit oh kill all these men and i'll preserve your goddess body and all that stuff i actually really enjoyed that entire arc with him and the goddess um and i know you were like oh he got exactly what he wanted but i'm like i mean so what <laughs> yeah that'd be my like here's the thing so he was the only character who really got like that full circle thing um, yeah like from beginning to end you know like and it was a happy ending for him because he got to choose it on his terms so i re- i get that but also this man literally killed like literally for these what like thirty thousand years has been just killing fairies. Killing people, yeah, killing just not and, killing fairies and, and causing and, strife. Yeah, like he caused so much death. It causing strife. He... But he was manipulated, okay? He was manipulated. Okay. Okay. He was manipulated. I'm just saying so, I'm just gonna <laughs> say that next time I say that Aaron was, you know, doing what he thought was Listen, best, I said from you. I never, I've never, you know I'm a Yeagerist. Don't even. You know that. You know I've never blamed Erin for anything wrong ever. <laughs> okay, so it's all the other haters online. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
because like I understand Aaron, yeah. like I understand yeah. him, just like I understand yeah. Wonghao. Like I understood. Like I they do, were... I do understand. I think it was like honestly, I was just like, this bad's kind of basic, but I do agree that it was more. It was more interesting because it was like a fully realized story, and we don't really get that a lot of times in dramas, like a fully actualized story from beginning to end. Um, yeah, you know, like even these like especially with the ro- the main romance, they always have like that happy open ending kind of thing, which is what happened in this drama as well too. But he literally got like a beginning, you know, a lot going on in the middle and the ending that he wanted in the arms of the person that he wanted to die with, you know? So like, I do respect that as a story part because like we know what can happen, especially to like a lot of these side characters, um, second and third male leads and their stories, they just go unfulfilled. They get like, they're just not really well done this was one of the more well done stories for sure but i think overall the drama was really well done i think that they definitely should have cut some episodes um especially like with her time in the moon kingdom like some of that i just felt was like kind of unnecessary like that whole thing with him and the the nails in his brain like what was the point of that like what was the point of that i don't I didn't really get it. Especially since it didn't consistently happen. It happened that one time and then we just kind of moved on from it. Um, And his brother, his brother was a hating asshole. I, his brother was so, like, his brother wakes up early to be a hater. Listen, he's a hater, but so am I. I respect hating ass bitches. You know why? I like the, I like the blatantly hating ass bitches too. And he was blatantly <laughs> hating because if there's- so one- hating. Huh? It was like he was so hating. Like, like I was like, I, love, you I respect it. <laughs> like, I respect it. I respect when they're blatantly haters. Like, that's a that's a true hater right there. But no, I agree with you. Um, that there was like I really enjoyed the drama for sure. Um, but the problem was that they there were definitely a lot where it was just you could tell it was just filler, filler. But it wasn't even like the good type of filler where like oh no. give us night cute nice cute couple moments filler it was let's drag this story down with shit that we don't no one gives a fuck about filler you know yes yes like that whole thing with the moon and the locks and then nothing kind of came out of that i was just like uh okay i mean it's pretty like let me tell you this drama was given budget every single episode like you know they really the most stunning for me was the what? battle scene at the end near the yes. end with the dust and like everything that was going on. like it was just so gorgeous like I couldn't stop and I'm not usually a person who wants to see like people stab people but I yes. just was so enthralled by everything that was going on editing wise that I just well they did a really good job like yeah. like they they um you know I actually definitely put in their budget for this one because even the sets like sometimes the sets look very cheap but yeah. this time it like looked very well made and I really respected that. And like I thought everyone's acting was on the same level. I actually yes. want to see more of um Shidzi, Shid 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 Muzi, Shid whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the goddess of war. I want to see more of her because I don't think I've ever seen oh, Chidi her. Woman. Chidi Woman. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything with her before. And I was actually very impressed, especially the scene when the evil spirit took her over and she, like, went on a rampage yeah. and killed all her friends. I was, like, very impressed by it. And I'm like, I would love to see what else she has. 
Um, and this is by far the best thing I've I've, I've seen Dylan Wang and Esther in. And I'm actually, even though Chang Hang was like annoying, I am actually interested because um, Sing He he's gonna be in a drama with my boo with Bai Lu, aka Homegirl from Love Is Sweet. So they're mm-hmm. gonna be in an um a Jenjun type drama as well. And I saw the trailer. It's called Kunan Palace. And I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks really good. And like I was a little bit disappointed just because um my other boo was supposed to be was rumored to be the star of it, but then he was filming. And so he couldn't, um, he got stuck in Shanghai or something like that. So he couldn't film it. And I was very sad, but it looked really good. And I'm like, and I've seen him in this and I'm like, if he, he's probably going to play like a similar S role, but his styling looks so much better. I think they gave him like a good quality lace front in the other one too. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I'm like per true. So what would you rate it? I rate it like an eight out of 10. Because That's I actually exactly thought about rewatch. I actually did think about rewatching it now that it's on Netflix and just kind of seeing the difference in the editing. I would definitely skip the stuff that I know I don't want to see. Um, but I really enjoyed all I would... of the scenes with the, with Dylan and with the Esther and like is that Esther? Is that her name? Yeah, it's Esther. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, no. I. That's, that's, that's really my good. rating too. Definitely yeah. an eight out of ten. Because here, the thing is like. I would probably rewatch this on a day like if I'm bored and I have nothing else to watch. Yeah. But it's not like it's not like my favorite drama ever, but it's really good and it it got me to finish a lot of it got me to even finish other dramas and it got me out of my drama slump. But like I definitely would give it an 8 out of 10 because like I like those last like 10 or so episodes were actually very draggy for me unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and that's why I can't rate it any higher than an 8 out of 10. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, I don't really like a lot of the Genja like dramas. I don't like historical stuff. But this is part. not historical. You would. I know it's not historical. I keep telling but you that you. I keep telling you but, that you like but, these type of dramas because it's given historical. That's why. Yeah, but <laughs> just the costumes. But you yes. keep saying this, and I keep telling you. I keep telling you, like you would like these because you like. Um, something that you like um demonic cultivation like and that's like the whole like that's like these genre dramas that's their old thing is the cultivation stuff wuja those are the historical dramas well i mean i don't like watch chinese dramas i don't know these i'm learning these things as we go along okay (laughs) like i kept telling you that like you know these types of like like those type of heavenly realm like Mm -hmm. um magic stuff you would like and i keep telling you that but you don't listen to me but whatever so anyways um (laughs) but i would also give it an 8 out of 10 as well um 100 that's my rating but like i said because this it got me out of my drama slum i was finally able to finish royal feast um and it's so funny because I actually, so like I got, let's say I got to episode 24 of Love Between Fairy and Devil and I was mm-hmm. sitting down there and I was like, you know, I never did finish Royal Feast. Let's, let's, it's, let's watch it. And I was on episode. I think that is around the time that like it got draggy. So I totally like, I could actually picture 
you'd be like, mm, maybe like I should try something new right now. <laughs> like I'm on a roll, but I could take a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I, and I was like, you know what? Let me finish it because like lately I've been, um, I, you know what it was? I saw the news about, um, which I talked about last last week, which I saw the news that they were adapting my favorite um sea novel into a drama, and then I like that made me think of Yanchi Palace which has like the same kind of um, air. And then because of that, I thought of Royal Feast because they both starred in that. So it's probably, it's been a minute since I've talked about this. Cause like this drama came out in February. Um, I had watched like nine episodes. There are 40 episodes in total. I watched nine. And I think it was because I was waiting on subs cause the subs were so slow. And then obviously mm-hmm. I went into my like kind of drama sub, So I never finished it. So I'm going to read it for you. Um, um, Royal Feast. Set during the Ming Dynasty, during the rule of Yongli Emperor, it tells the story of a young woman named Yao Zijing who enters the palace to become a maid of the food brewer. In the deep palace, she remains determined and slowly works her way up while perfecting her craft, while making friends and encountering an unexpected romance at the same time. Through her romantic entanglement with Zhu Zhangji, the drama also showcased the historical achievements and family life of three outstanding emperors of the Ming Dynasty, portraying a gourmet forbidden city full of rich family affection, friendship, love, and humanity. Okay, and it stars Zhu Kai as Xiao Zhangji and Wu Jinyang as Zijing. And then there's like a bunch of other people in like other roles, like other main roles and stuff. But those are like the two main roles. Um, we also have Yuwa played by Chu Rang. Um, Shang Jing played by Zhang Nan and um, Zi Ping played by Ru Zhan and then Yi Fan which is played by Yi Zi. so the whole story I'm just gonna like from the beginning um, so basically we're introduced to Ji Xing and she's like at this food bureau like she's at the food bureau in the um, in the royal in the forbidden city and mm-hmm. she's there and like she is like with two other girls like two other um two other um maids or like two other place like people to do the cooking with her mm-hmm. and then she like the lady asks each of them like what do you want to do with your food and then there's like Mei Chen Mang she's like the she's the in charge of the entire food bureau but then there's like different food bureaus that assist like different parts of the can like parts of the forbidden city so like there was like oh my god there's just like so much going on in this drama but like i never at first like because like when i was watching the nine episodes i'm gonna be honest like i really only watched it because of Zhu shang and um jin yang because they were in um yangji palace and like you know they were one of the couples that people absolutely loved and they never got that happy ending because his character ended up um going and marrying um another girl and then she ended up marrying the emperor right and so there was like a promise that was made between them where um Yinglo that's her name in Yangji Palace she was like she made a a deal with him and she was like if like in another lifetime I will be indebted to you and I will serve you type thing so basically the story here, like, you find out, so, like, you know, sh- they, she works her way through, like, the serve, like, through the, the ranks of the maid, um, of the, the food bureau, so she starts at, like, as, like, a lowly maid, and then she becomes, like, 
one of the carrier maids and then she becomes a table maid then she becomes a directionist and all of that right meanwhile she kind she makes a bond with the prince and or at the time he wasn't even a crown prince yet he was still like he was in line to be the throne, right? Because the emperor, who's his grandfather, was still alive. And then his father is the crown prince. And then him. Um, so he was imperial grandson. Um, and so she makes, like, a bond with him. And they're, like, getting along. And, like, it's actually really cute. Like, she's so... And, like, she's so intelligent where you're, like, no, this girl is, like, well... Like, she's well-spoken, well-read, knows all this. She's, like, she can't be from some unknown family that knows... You know, she can't be from some unknown family that just and just became a maid just like that. And then around yeah. e- around episode 10 and 11, you find out that she was actually the promised granddaughter that was supposed to marry him back when they were kids. And so she okay. was trained. She was trained from she was young to be um, to be his wife, essentially. Right. But, like, at this point, my, he's already married to someone else. But, the, like, you know, these are these this imperial dramas. They have harems and all of that. But at this point, he already has his um crown, like, his crown princess. Um, but you find out that the reason why she entered the palace was to seek revenge. And so then, like, this time, he's, like, in love with her. And she likes, she loves him, too. But then she remembers all the shit that she went through. And then she's just like, yeah, I don't fucking like you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be near you. Like, leave me alone type thing. And then he keeps, like, doing all kinds of stuff to get her to come back to, like, his palace, like, his little palace to serve him. And then she's just like, no, not having it. And then meanwhile, we have, like, the bitches in the food brewery being (laughs) bad mind off of her. Because, you know, she's such a good chef that she's, like, rising the ranks. And then... We find out that his grandma, it was his grandmother and his mother that like took her away and locked her up in a tower, right? So then she decided that like if she's like she can't be, he wanted her to be his concubine and she's like I'm not gonna be your concubine. I was supposed to be your fucking wife. The fuck you mean be your concubine? Get out of my face, you know? And so he's like, okay, I'll protect you. You don't have to be my like I won't let you be my concubine, whatever. But then the crown princess she ends up getting like super she got like super jealous and fucked herself over because she tried to set her up and when she set her up the queen saw this as the perfect opportunity to make the um to make her be forced to be his concubine so because the king had the king erected it it was like oh because you're such a good um person now you're gonna become the his wife again and then they were like oh this is according to the like this is just faith renewing itself so then they get married and then you know all of the girls in the harem give her the the shoulder the cold shoulder but she the entire time she's like working through because she's like she wants to change this regime essentially because like i guess like the previous emperor when he died like there was like a bunch of people like all the concubines without children have to be buried with him and then like all the oh, other women all the other women um are also given a sacrifice and she's like i want to change these rules and it was wild because like when the first emperor died she was caught in the middle of trying to save his 
favorite concubine, right? But she's the one that didn't have any kids, so she had to die with her. And that's how they ended up finding out that she was the um she was supposed to be the original wife because she had this jade token that was given by the empress to her. Ooh, okay. Um so she says that when the when the other king, which is his father, so when he, when Zhu Shang's father became king or whatever, he ended up dying as well. Um, and she gets caught up in the his favorite concubine because like his favorite concubine was this other lady, and that lady tried to poison the actual empress, but then the king ended up sipping it. And so then they were like, oh, you're framing me for murder. So she gets caught up in that, right? So then she goes through pretty much everything. And then they like, there's like a whole like, whole lot of rigmarole. And essentially he, when he became emperor, because like as soon as his father died, he became emperor. He was upset because something went down in the food brewer and she didn't share with him what happened. She was just trying to fix it by herself. And then eventually it found out that it was actually the Empress that was framing her, right? Because at, at the time, she had just become royal consort, which is like, so next to Empress, like the consort is second in command, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was like, upset at her because she never she she refused to share any burden that she goes through with him and so he banished her into staying in her um palace right but it was actually funny i I will never forget it because i remember when he was like trying to gift her a bestow on on her he put her into young lee young lee palace and everyone's like oh my god the favorite concubine always gets to stay in young lee palace and she was like yeah what happened to the two last favorite concubines they both died. So I don't know about this. <laughs> um, so basically he banished her to the palace, but he, she was like, he did it in the sense of she was only supposed to stay there for like two days. Right. But she ended up staying there for like five months, essentially not, and like not leaving to the point where she lost her voice and all of that. So then he came and he's like, you're still being stubborn, like, you don't understand what you did wrong, and all that stuff, and then she's not speaking, and then it tur- he, like, it even ended up having it be a bet, essentially. Who could get the M- the consort to um, speak would get riches, and everyone kept trying to get her to speak, and she wouldn't speak, so then his mom invited her over, and at this time, the empress was actually pissed off at her because she tried to save the concubine, right? So this is the Empress Dowager. So she was actually pissed off at her because she tried to save the concubine. But then she like went on like this whole spiel and she was like, you know, the only thing I've ever wanted for him is just to have someone who actually loves and cherishes him. Someone who's smart, intellectual, will see him through all his hardships and all that stuff. So she was basically giving her the approval, right? And then she was like, She but so she was saying sorry without saying sorry. And so she was like, Oh, you're not gonna say anything to that. Oh, never mind, and she walks off. So then when she goes back to the palace, he came to visit because at that time he had just found out that what his parent what his mother and grandmother had done to her. So while she was preparing to be his princess, they took her from her family, locked her in a tower with no doors, windows, whatever, it forced her to read, write all of that for that entire time so her being grounded in the palace in that in her palace quarters brought back that trauma and that's what caused her to lose her voice 
so when he found out he immediately rushed over and then he like apologized to her it was actually such a sweet moment he was like i am so sorry like i, I like he was like I never expected this. I just wanted you to share your burdens. And if this was something that we should have, you should have told me before, because I would have never, ever grounded you and all that stuff. Right. And then yeah. he like, he like apologized to her and then she revealed to him that she can't speak and all that stuff. And then her and him, like ever since that day, like kind of mended their relationship and it just became, it became so good that in the sense of like, you know how usually well, you probably don't know because you don't watch a lot of these, but like usually yeah. in like these type of dramas, like there becomes there comes a time where like everyone is like trying to fuck over the the consort, like always. And so she literally like like so many of them tried to like because she there's even this other guy, um, Ying Li. He tried he knew her too. He was in love with her. Um, mm-hmm. he knew her because she had saved his life, but she doesn't even know that she saved his life. But it turns out, like, he was like, oh, the the emperor, like, the consort, she has the king around her, wrapped around her fingers, and we have to break free. And then even the empress dowager was like, well, the emperor is in good hands with the consort. And then when he tried to complain to the em- to the other one, she was like, well... The consort is good. And like even him, like when they came to him to say, oh, your consort has done this. Instead of us immediately attacking her, he went to her and he was like, this is what I'm being told. Is this what's happening? And then she's like, no, you know, so he like they he stuck by her. And I really appreciated that. Like he really like they were just like a couple together and like even though she had resentment towards him for certain things that he'd done even when like her best friend ended up leaving the palace and all of that like she he still stood with her so like yeah and then it ended on a, a good note like the, the empress she um she got disposed um and so the other like our girl became the empress and she also made it so that like women didn't have to get buried with the she basically helped him change a lot of the old ancient rules, you know? Um yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would I would give it probably a seven point five or an eight out of ten as well. Um simply I would give it because like honestly you can't deny it. Jin Yang and Zhukai, they have chemistry. Like they really, really do. Um Sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> it's why we were so it, it's why we were so in love with them in Yangshi Palace, you know? Um but chemistry aside, from like the reason why I wouldn't rate it higher is because from a story standpoint, it's a little there's a lot of plot holes, a lot of figurative stuff going on. Like there was like there was a whole entire side story with one of the um girls and her mom and like all that stuff. But like plot wise, I don't think it was very strong. But character-wise, I think it was very strong. Like, you are, like, each character had, like, you understood their motivations and what they were aiming for. And, like, you knew what they wanted at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And, like, you believed in the bonds that they build with the people around her, around them. Because, like, yeah, it was, I liked it. Like, I really, really liked the character aspect of it. So that's why I would give it, like, a 7.5 or an 8 for sure. Um, I wouldn't rewatch it in its entirety, but I would definitely rewatch all of the Shukai and Yangji scenes, as well as her scenes with her best friend. Like 
I love seeing female friendships and I love that they had such a solid one because and then even like it was really I liked it so yeah so that's that's it for dramas okay well I'm happy that you have gotten your mojo back your your drama watching mojo (laughs) This sounds very. I have but definitely not something I would want to watch. But no, yeah, you you, you would, yeah. yeah, you would not, because it's 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 forty episodes, right? So it's a lot, yeah. and it's a and this is a lot more historical than the Shanta. Like this is like yeah. historical. See, it's not the episodes but, part because I feel like with Chinese dramas, we've proven if it's a good drama, I will just speed through <laughs> it because I feel like we ended, um, Love Between Fairy and Demon around the same time. And you were literally like twenty five episodes deep in it when I started. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, I'm gonna watch everything as much as I can, even with things being busy and stuff. So it's okay. But anyways, yeah, let's get into books, books, Yay. books, 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 books. Yay! Um, so I didn't read anything new, but I, I guess to have something to talk about, I could talk about the yeah, talk alien about books. the books. Yeah, talk about them. Go. Okay, so um, I did finish that first series. That no, it's actually like the third series uh, for these um, aliens, these blue aliens who have like the body of Thor, but their skin is blue, and they have like two dicks, and they have long hair. <laughs> and <clears throat> sorry, this series is created by Ella Maven, and together we read the outcast of corin book four doesn't come out until like eight days sad um anyways so we read the first book from the outcast of corin series and that's the alien sacrifice which was like not the most interesting book from it so i read book two and three and book two was called the alien surrender and that was about amber and bins and basically all you need to know about that is that Benz is like the destructive, you know, pushes everything too far bad boy who's like, you know, damaged inside because when the same people who kidnap the girls and like change them by doing those experiments on them also did the same to him. But we find out in the book basically that they're like, oh, you have like a super dick. So let us use you to impregnate everybody you can find. So that was his form of torture. And so since then, he hasn't been able to get it up. But of course, Amber changes all of that because, you know, that's exactly what happens to people who are victims of sexual abuse. But anyway, this is a romance novel set in aliens, set with aliens in outer space. So what, you know, we're not looking for realism. Anyway, so Amber is um, being held and she's basically like a slave at for these other aliens on this planet because we know there's in the first book there was all that like political shit that nobody really cared about but it was happening and so this kind of continues this because the same dudes who are like the bad guys kidnapped um her and they're using her as a slave and he finds her because he sees like a lock of her hair in enemy territory he's not supposed to be there but he saw the hair so he was gonna leave first he saw the hair he's like god damn now i gotta go see who this bitch is so he saw who it was and he's like i gotta save her this is probably the friend that tasha was looking for in the first book so he goes and he actually just gets captured like he gives himself up so that he could give he could get in there and she would have to serve him and then they escape and they fall in love and she's like i can't get it up because of what happened to me she's like no you can i believe in you and so they fuck a lot and um 
but they're a little bit more interesting because the characters themselves are interesting like amber's very like soft yeah but she's like like has hidden strength that kind of comes out when it needs to and vince is all like he's interesting because he doesn't give a fuck so like he's not trying to be politically correct he's not trying to be like you know the one who's liked so he kind of like is a little bit more fun than the guy in the last book and so they get together and um yeah it's cute and then book three is the alien battle and this is the one i was waiting for okay because (laughs) and kutzel get together and kutzel is basically like the leader of the outcast and he's the one who's all grumpy and like oh you guys are falling in love gross this is not what we came here to do um and so and and Trix was like the like female warrior version of like their crew of the girls after they like you know escaped slavery on being experimented on and so she like literally it starts with her trying to kill Kutzel so I think like obviously that story was made for me because how could it not be um so she tries to kill him (laughs) because because the bad guys told her that he kidnapped her friends and was keeping that was holding them hostage so she was all like no fuck that dude i'm gonna get him so she um hits him with an arrow that was tipped with poison they you know he comes back and he's like you know suffering obviously and she's like you know what this guy doesn't seem like a bad guy but I always felt like you guys were the bad guy, but I was going to use you to get what I needed from you. Um, and then, but, you know, they, even without being able to communicate, she kind of understands that, you know, she made a mistake. And so they escape and they're like on the run and he's like, you know, dying basically because of this poison and, you know, it's not great. And then they come across his like old home where he used to live. Basically, he lived on the outskirts because of the fact that they're outcasts. Um, and the whole idea of the outcast is that basically their fathers deserted. We already discussed, you don't have to say we? that. We already, okay, yeah, sure we already it. told okay, them perfect. last episode. Yeah, so basically, like, they lived on the outskirts. And you know that virus that was going around? They literally would not have got it if somebody, some poor guy who probably thought he was doing the right thing, hadn't come to give them a heads up about it and passed it along to them. And that's when his mom and his sister and his grandmother, I think, died as well. So he, you know, he had to deal with his emotional feelings. And so he dealt with that. And like their whole thing was like, ooh, let's have sex, but we're not going to mate. We're not going to do this mate thing because, you know, we're warriors. We're going to die in battle, blah, 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 blah. But of course, that was total bullshit the whole time because they're like stupid, stupid in love with each other. Like, <laughs> um, And they were cute because they argued a lot and they were like, they kind of like butt heads because they're both kind of alpha characters but they work really well and i thought they were like the most interesting and also as i said like the first thing that she does when she sees him is try to kill him so i mean that's and like you know nat loves a good enemies to lovers i love a good enemies to lover the more that they're enemies before they get to lovers like the better for me like i want you to hate that man's guts i want you to slap him like a lot you know and I feel like this really spoke to me so I enjoyed both of them I thought they were cute and then I mean I continued reading so clearly I was into it um I would give these like a four out of five both of them because I did enjoy them a lot um and I'm waiting for the next book which comes out in eight days so yes but what nice nice um so I'm actually mad because I just I I'm, like, almost done with it, but I'm not, like, completely done. But, like, I'm not going to talk mm. about it next time anyways because mm. I don't give a fuck. 
Because, like, there's really, <laughs> I doubt there's, I started reading this and I was like, I doubt there's anything of important that's going to happen. And I was correct because once I, I was like, yeah, this is predictable as fuck. Um, it was funny because I told you a while ago, right? I was like, I was just reading her bio and it was like, oh, I'm a 28 year old mama of two. I love to read and write. I'll read about anything, but reverse harems are my favorite. And I was like, yeah, you know, this checks. It, it, it works it checks out so anyways so one of my my friend who provides me with like terrible books to read um she was like oh there's this book called tainted wings by alicia academy um by alicia williams you should read it and that shit has a 4.28 rating on goodreads which is insane apparently it has 408 ratings at 4.28 408 people have probably given this book somewhere between three to five stars. Insane. Insanity. <laughs> because, like, like writing aside... Oh, I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at the, dis- the, the distribution. 1% of the people who read this book gave it one star. 54%, which is 222 people... Gave this book five stars. Yikes. I asked, I want to see the five star book that they read because I don't, I don't understand. But anyways, so being the daughter of the devil isn't what it's cracked up to be. Believe me. My name is Abigail Morningstar and my whole life I've felt out of place being the only angel amongst the demons. But I have a chance to get a break and I need in the form of a deal. What deal you ask? The funny thing is, I have to live with my mother for three years, the very mother who abandoned me as a baby. Enrolling at Angelic Academy should have been a nice change, but once again, things aren't that easy. Being the demon princess paints a target on my back and everyone seems to want a shot. It doesn't help when the three sons of the top-ranking archangels are the leaders, one who happens to be my stepbrother. I have no idea what I did to piss them off so badly, but I'm not going down without a fight. Thankfully, I'm not alone. I have my best friend, Leo, a virgin incubus, and a dark angel, Zed, who is surprisingly sweeter than the angels who call themselves holy. One thing for sure, just because something is white as snow doesn't mean it's pure. And then it says, Angel Academy is a why choose enemies to lovers, stepbrother, and friends to lovers, why choose series. It is medium burn with medium to heavy bullying. All characters involved in sexual activity are of age of consensual despite what it may look like describe sexual scenes and swearing 18 plus mm content anyways um so yeah i mean literally that that's that tells you the story abigail daughter of she heard her dad and her mom um her dad's the king of um is satan her dad's lucifer and her mom is like some hoity-toity pure blood bitch and the mom was like fuck you bitch go to hell with your father and then all of a sudden her mom was like oh actually you know come spend come spend three years with me but obviously there's some kind of secret or story or something that is trying to be unlocked i really wish i i wish i could tell you that i care but i don't and i don't know why i kept reading it either but she's kind of insufferable to be honest and i think it's just the way that she's written where she's like Oh, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those. I don't know why do I find these like books. I don't know how I find them. I don't know why I find them. But you know, she gets sent 
to the Angel Academy and the first thing she walks in on is like her brother fucking one of the dark angels and like you know the dark angels and the pure bloods they have a turf war but it turns out that all three of these dark angels are like all three of the pure blood are literally like pieces of shit because Luke um not Luke Isaac who's her stepbrother he just goes around fucking bitches all the time and then he has to pluck out his so like anytime the angels do anything that's like ungodly their wing they grow a black wing and so every time he goes and fucks someone because you're only allowed to fuck your faded mate um anytime he goes and fuck one of the dark angels he grows a black wing and then he like rips that wing out and then obviously he's also one of her faded mates because like you know the only thing you think about is how much he wants to sink his dick into her and i'm just like oh my god can you come up with something else give me something new no i just don't feel like everything needs to be an academy book like i just don't (laughs) and i it's just like i'm like can we spice it up like all of these harem academy books they just give you the same old same old like spice it up put a little juju on it but yeah i mean i'm probably gonna give this like a two out of five um i'm almost done and there's nothing really to report but um I do intend on reading, like, a real novel. Um, I have the Merciless ones that I want to read. And because, you know, it's getting to be Halloween, I have a bunch of, like, paranormal, scary books that I want to read. I want to. Re- I have my Eliza's and all the monsters to read. And then I have, like, a couple other, like, um, when no one's watching, like, a thriller, a couple thrillers and stuff to read. So I'm excited. But it is sapphic September, so I should find a lesbian romance to read as is well. Is it? Or, I thought it was also to, like, Latin book month or something like that. No, it is, yeah. Okay. It is Latinx oh, so month. No, I, I meant, when I say sapphic September, I mean, like, like that's just, like, something that they say in the book community. Ah, uh, okay. I, I thought it was, like, an actual, like, month thing, like, you know. Oh no, no, no. And, like, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, Hispa- it's, it's Hispanic Heritage Month, I believe, right? Okay. I think so. I think so. I did but, yeah. I saw somebody who had book recs for it. So that's why I was like, oh, I did not know. Um. <laughs> Which is good. I have yeah. quite a few yeah. um, Hispanic books that Honestly, I Honestly, the only thing well. that I really, like, I'm going to be reading some comics. So hopefully I'll be able to talk about them, like, next time we record because i actually bought comic books normally i don't I, I buy them from the like used bookstore but i haven't mm-hmm. been to one in a while so i got these fresh from amazon because i wanted to support some black authors very excited to nice. do that yes so i'll hopefully be able to talk about that next time but yeah let's get to the topic, topic oh shoot i oh, forgot it's... my applause this time but anyways yeah <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> what's the topic yeah discuss what the topic is oh you didn't you know you never even had said oh yeah let's do that you know oh, you no, it was good that, right? it was a good idea i sorry i was, <laughs> it was it's a long time. so guys our our freestyle topic this was motivated by um so me and my friend we watched lost city recently we watched it on tuesday which that I know it came out like earlier this year and we just got to watch it even though it's been on Paramount and Prime for like how long now um I don't and even know I don't what know, it is 
Lost City. Oh, it's a rom com. Um, so it's uh it stars Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. And that's what I was telling you where Daniel Radcliffe plays the bad guy and his name is Abigail in it. Oh, okay, okay, I see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, it's an adventure action, like, rom-com, and it's basically, like, um, she's, like, a author of, like, romance adventure books, and then it's kind of, like, she kind of lost her way because, like, her husband passed and all that stuff, and it just, like, it sprung into me because I was, like, oh, this is, like, I was, like, there was moments where I genuinely laughed, and I was, like, oh, this is actually really funny, you know, and then I was, like, oh, you know, they have, like, a nice, comfortable chemistry, and I was, like, oh, we don't see a lot of, like, rom-coms, like, anymore, you know, and yeah. so basically what I wanted, what me and Nat wanted to talk about is just, like, in general, the shift that has happened now with romantic comedies and like why don't we have more blockbuster romantic comedies like we used to back in the days you know everybody wants to be an action star now or a superhero but like what happens like a good rom-com like just a good whole rom-com i feel like the rom-coms that i've watched this year of all well i think lost city was in theaters i didn't watch um the jennifer lopez one but i heard that one was good so i might watch it marry me the one which she did mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. owen wilson yes but yes. other than like those two i think every other like romance rom-com was like straight to dvd or something like you know yeah, or netflix yeah like a netflix hallmark kind of thing like you know the yeah. seasonal ones yeah no i agree um so <clears throat> i mean we remember the rom-com heyday the Katherine Heigl days of your, oh, please. you know, Sandra Bullock <laughs> was a rom-com queen. Julia Roberts was a rom-com queen. That was the thing remember? too. I think that's what, that's what like inspired me too. Right. Is yeah. because, um, when what it was seeing Sandra playing this role where she, cause like the last couple of roles we've seen her in, she's been very like uptight and like, cause like, you know, bird eye. And I forget the other one that she was in where she's just like, it's not, like, a funny rom com type thing. And, like, you yeah. know, my favorite... One of my, my favorite movie is The Proposal. Like, I love watching The Proposal. Like, it's amazing. And so, like, this made me think about it. And I'm like, it's been, like, none of these actions... Like, like I would love to see Anne Hathaway in a rom-com again. You know, like, yeah. I like... like and, then I'm, I, and then I got to think about this younger generation. And I'm like, who of these younger generations are, like going to give us like a nice feel-good rom-com like because like I feel like everyone is trying to be like an acclaimed like a critically acclaimed actor and actress now but like give us some rom-coms yeah so Julia Roberts and George Clooney are doing a rom-com or they've already done it it's gonna come out soon um, and it's going to be on the big screen. So I feel uh-huh. like you have to be like a big name now to be able to push something like that. Uh, and I mean, we like, let's be real. Anything that women like men sort of degrade and downplay, even when they're financially um, successful, because a lot of the rom-coms that we mentioned, even if they didn't make like blockbuster in theaters, they did on DVD or like home video. You know what I mean? Like while you were sleeping um boys and girls like there's a lot of these movies that weren't like immediate like hits in theaters but you know they made back their money on on um dvd and vhs so i think maybe 
the move to streaming might have hurt it because it did definitely hurt a lot of the movie industry, right? Like uh-huh. Matt Damon does that whole video where he said basically you can't like you have to prove that your movie is going to be financially um, profitable, right? So the thing is, back in the day, even if you didn't make that much money in theaters, you could make it back in home viewing, you know, VHS, DVD. You can't do that anymore because of streaming. So that that means that you have to be able to prove that you're able to make that money back in theaters alone. And most movies can't do that. Nope. So that's where the problem comes about, right? So there's a lot of different reasons for it. And I think, too... The fact that Hallmark and Netflix, you know, are able to sort of like commercialize rom-coms as a seasonal thing have maybe also kind of hurt it because now people expect those, you know, um, home for the holiday kind of things. And I mean, it's great, too, because it is giving a lot of people, especially a lot of black people, a lot of roles and a lot of opportunities um, that they would not have gotten, especially since there's lower stakes in these enterprises than they are on the big screen. But like at the end of the day, Rom-coms are fun. Rom-coms make people happy and they do make money. And they, they do. do. People- That's the thing. They do make rom because people will go and watch it. And you know, yeah. the thing is too, but I think w- another like flaw is that like, we don't have like, so like, you know, our generation, we had like, you know, the James Martin or like some, like somebody yeah. who oozed the, the, the appeal of like a, leading guy in a rom-com you know mm-hmm. this younger generation they don't got that <laughs> i mean they do but we are not into them and that's fine because like the the joy of rom-coms is that any age can have like their own sort of like eye candy do they in a sense. Who? who's the younger generation's heartthrobs tell me um i think that dude from who plays Jughead on... Um, oh my God, ew! He doesn't know he's not... Dylan O'Brien. Cool. Like, people find these guys attractive. But they like, don't have the... Do. But they don't have that... But that's what I'm saying. They don't have, like, a leading man charisma. Like, I... I mean, according I, to us, but Dylan O'Brien was, like, fucking some girl on, like, some streaming thing, and people were going crazy was, for it. And they weren't crazy for it just because it was Dylan O'Brien. Like, it was yeah. literally... It was not... Because I watched it. I watched that show. And okay. I was just like, uh, this is not good. But, but that's why I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like, like, I feel like the older generation, they had like the certain suave and charisma to really pull off these roles. And then for this generation, it's just like, oh, and I think, you know, the next thing is too, they're not doing screen tests anymore. They're not doing chemistry yeah. testing. They yeah. just, they just put like, oh, Lana is a really good actor. Oh, Cole's a really good actor. They both have good fan base bam let's make them star in a movie together and then you watch the movie and it's like where's the chemistry yeah no absolutely and i mean like you know you were talking about leading men we had men who solely did who are known mostly for rom-coms like freddie prince jr who did you know she's all that boys and girls boys and girls is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time i love that fucking movie um and then he did down to you and he did that baseball one i can't remember what it's called but like a lot of these dudes did multiple sort of rom-coms so it's not just like that they did one um but and then moved on and then like i don't know because like even when you think about it like even like you know drew barrymore like she's done so many rom-coms and like stuff like that i'm just like like 
the the industry is definitely moving away from having like theatrical rom-coms but like Mm -hmm. We still need to have some because, like, everybody loves a good rom com. Because, like, you know, everyone, like, people love um, the To All the Boys I Love Before or whatever, um, all those movies. And I'm like, yeah, they're good, but, like, are these, like, movies that you're going to think about, like, years to come? No. Because I'm still thinking about fucking a movie from fucking like 2005 that I watch, you know? You know what though? I watched, um, me and some homies watched Love in the Villa and that was very cute. That was a lot, like, that was very, very cute. It's actually my favorite Cat Graham Netflix rom-com so far. So I would say like, there are definitely gems out there. Yes, Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about though. No, I I know, I know. Yeah, like yes, there are gems out there, but I'm that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that like, we're like, where's the actual effort into putting these, uh, like putting these on again, you know, and like yeah, having I mean, it be like a thing. It's like I like loving other jobs. I want to, and then that's my next. This is my next complaint too. Yeah. Why are the good rom-coms not on streaming sites? Like, I've been wanting to rewatch Love and Other Drugs for so long, and it's not on any fucking streaming site. You should have told me. I actually had that on DVD, and I gave it away because I wasn't really watching it. I would have sent it to you. You would have had it. I mean, how am I? Girl, I don't own no DVD player. Oh, you don't? <laughs> oh my, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The best thing you can do is own shit and i'm not saying like you have to be a hoarder but one day netflix <laughs> these things are not going to be on these sites no i really yeah do. i have i i don't have a dvd player i have a playstation though which i watch yeah. dvd um tvs on but no i agree because like i've been craving watching love and other drugs and then i'm like okay fine can't watch love and other drugs let's watch something else and i'm like oh let's watch the proposal uh nowhere streaming i'm like okay no let's watch let's watch the ugly true oh that's just I honestly personally think sorry to cut you that it is a purposeful decision by people in the higher up positions in the industry to devalue rom-coms and make them inaccessible like that's personally my opinion on it because how does Disney own everything and they don't have these things on there right and it's it's, 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 it's also so interesting to me too when I think about it because like you think about like okay yeah Hallmark they make movies Netflix they make like cute rom-coms too but like when you think about like the theatrical movies that like actually had budget and like you know solid script writing and stuff like that when you think about those and like you're like oh where are those movies streaming and they're not they're not streaming on a lot of places it's all strategic but yeah, no, I absolutely. I just miss. I, I just miss. It. Like one of my like my favorite rom com that I watched this year was actually a Hulu released um rom com mm-hmm. crush with um which was about two sapphics falling in love and I was like I actually really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. one it was it, one it was sapphics but two like it was just such like it was nice to watch like a um sapphic movie that didn't have like trauma and like anything like it was literally just an honest to god like high school romance you know and it was so mm. cute to watch like, it was such a cute show and then i was actually telling my friend while we were watching lost city because i had i had watched fire island and i was actually like a little bit disappointed because like everyone had hyped it up so much 
and they were like, oh, it's so funny. I was cracking up in the first minute and all that stuff. And then I started watching it and I was like, they have no chemistry. And I think that's the downside to a lot of these, like I said, a lot of these um, straight to DVD or just streamings that only rom-com is that like they have these people in them. But then if there's no chemistry between it, like, are you really a rom-com? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, like, what I used to love to use when they used to do, like, Jane Austen adaptations, because I love Jane mm-hmm. Austen novels. And oh, did you watch those, the one like, that's on no, the I didn't. new one? Don't, okay. don't, don't, don't even, because Persuasion is my favorite Jane Austen story. I've and heard it's the 2005, terrible. The 2005 version is the best version It is. Ever the 2005 made. version okay, I have is the best two, version. I have two versions of it on DVD. Why? Because I watched the first version so much that I had to buy a second copy. Okay? <laughs> like, I love I love that movie. Okay? I love Persuasion. Like, when Anne Elliot is sitting on the bed and she's like, I'm 27. And you know, like, you feel the weight of her old age, even though I'm in my 30s now. It's like, you know, I was, I remember being, and like, I have no prospects. 20. <laughs> and I remember being 20 and thinking, like, oh, my God, I don't want to be that. And now I'm, like, in my mid-30s, I'm like, eh. But, like, at the time, like, I love it. And, like, you know, you have bewitched me. I mean, this, this is a, like, this is a thing. They're lacking in stories, like, the actual story itself. And they're lacking in chemistry. And they're just lacking in overall production value. I think those are the three things that are missing when you do these straight-to-video things. Because it does not give budget. Sometimes the chemistry is hit and sometimes it's not. And then the overall story is just so basic. And it's like, you know, I understand that people downgrade romances and say, like, oh, every story is the same because it's a romance. It's like, no. There's so many, like, there's billions of them because there's so many ways that you can write falling in love, right? Yes, so so many different ways. Do something different. Do something special. There's a reason that, like, Pride and Prejudice has so many different versions, like the adaptations. And and adaptations. different ones. Have ones that they like. like and they like, prefer yes, than the others. Like, yes, yes, there's, like, the coreness of, like, you know, it's a rom- rom- rom-com. So you're expecting it to be funny and a happy ending. But, like, mm-hmm. it's also all about how the actors bring alive their characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how do you bring these to the table? Like, I love Holiday in Handcuffs. Like, that is literally one of my favorite Christmas movies. I turned it into a Christmas tradition that I watch that every single Christmas. <laughs> because, like, Melissa Joan Arc and Mario Lopez, they had such good chemistry in it. And it was like, you know, it was your typical story of having, of, like, a young girl feeling pressure and having a fake fiancé. You know me, I eat up a good fake romance plot can't get enough yeah. of it inject it into my veins literally i I'm really all... don't like them but yes <laughs> yeah, nat doesn't like them i love them like i love like fake relationships arranged marriage like contracts like i love them shits because i love my favorite thing is the oh shit i'm in love with this person moment like that's just like my favorite part you're like oh no i'm only with them for this contract oh no I don't actually love them. It's just, we just had to get married. And then they're like, wait a minute. I'm in love. But anyways. Oh, I forgot what I was saying. I lost my train of thought. But essentially, I'm just saying that, like, I, it was like, you know, 
chemistry story it just it gets you it gets you and like i don't know i just okay okay no i get it i totally get it i agree i wish we could you know i wish we we had the money to just produce our own shit (laughs) that would be really dope um but let's end it on like a happy note like let's name our top five favorite rom-coms or like romantic films in general i guess it doesn't have to be a rom-com i can't think of five because there's just so many i just know my favorite like my favorite okay my favorite is the proposal like that's my favorite i never liked the proposal which is very oh, strange. Oh, I love it. I um, watched it, like, I, I rewatch it, like, so many. Like, I, you know how those memes are like, oh, if you can watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Like, it would, for mm-hmm. me, it would be The Proposal. Like, I would watch it for the rest of my life. Oh, that's so cute. Um, but I do so love, like, a lot of rom-coms, but I just know my number one, which is The Proposal. Yeah. Okay, well, for me, I love um, Persuasion, I mentioned, obviously, the 2005 uh-huh. version. I love the um, Keira Knightley version of uh, Pride and Prejudice. Of yes, course. that's I mean, that's the best version. <laughs> I mean, come on. And I also really loved He's Just Not That Into You. I don't know why I love that movie. Oh, I really, really love that do. one, too. And you love right. Something Borrowed. Oh, my God. Something Borrowed is a tradition, okay? Like... I don't care what Evie tells me. Cheating is okay. See, and I... So, Matt doesn't like fake dating, and I don't like cheating, regardless. I don't even care if the chemistry's... Like, I really don't... Like, I think there's probably only, like, two cheating stories I've ever liked. I just... I don't know. For me, I'm just like, just break up with your partner. Like, literally. Like, it takes nothing to just dump them. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the characters like it's funny because he's just that he's just not that into you ah i really love that one i forgot that i forgot about that you saying that reminded me like i really do love he's just not that into you i mean at the end when alex is like you're my exception i was like oh my god why couldn't it be not why couldn't it be me not with just long but i'm just saying you know what i mean uh and then for the third one okay so the so I mentioned three? Yeah, you did. Yes. Per- well, you mentioned, oh. technically, I mentioned four for you. You did Persuasion, Something Borrowed. Something borrowed. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so like, then the... Pre- yes. Pride and so Prejudice. One, He's just not into you. And then your fifth mm-hmm. one. My fifth one would be a tie then. And it's funny because I don't like people who, like, have secret, like, who met as children and dramas and shit. But I love Boys and Girls and A Lot Like Love. And those uh-huh. are both stories where people meet each other at different chapters in their life. Like, you know, not realizing that they are falling in love with each other at these different, you know, intervals. And then they kind of just end up falling in love with <laughs> each other. So, like, Boys and Girls is, like, a little bit... Like, they're similar in that regard, but a little bit different. Because in Boys and Girls, they meet as kids on a plane randomly. And then they meet again in high school. And then they meet in college. And that's when they fall in love. And then in A Lot Like Love, they literally meet, like five times before they realize like shit it's Ashton Kutcher in that one um that you know it's something more something deep <laughs> and I really do like those movies so and the soundtracks are fantastic actually Monica the singer is in Boys and Girls yep randomly yeah we should do like a rom-com thing like we should you know, like 
Um, too bad so we, like, I, it'd be kind of cool so if we I, did it with like so, our viewers and stuff or listeners, but yeah. Oh, so the proposal, um, I really liked Leap Year with Amy Adams. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I just like I like like I'm not like that. Like, I love rom coms. Like, I love all rom coms. Like, give it to me, inject it to me. But like for me, like mm-hmm. definitely my favorite is the proposal. Um, I love all of Catherine Heigl's rom coms except Knocked Up. I hated Knocked oh, Up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. Knocked Up was the worst, of course. Catherine, girl, I'm gonna let you know a little secret. Fuck all of that being a serious actor shit and just do rom coms. Like, just do rom coms. I don't understand girl. why she just doesn't go back to it. Like, I mean, you did your, you got your Emmy through Grey's Anatomy. Just do rom coms. Like, I don't understand why she stopped. <laughs> I mean, it, it might have been more because people didn't want to work with her anymore, but also. But yeah. still. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, they're all just like, like, oh, ever after. Like, I just love watching. I don't know. There's just something about how beautiful watching people love, who love chemistry fall in love. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I have to watch the photograph. I keep trying to find like a really good link for it, but I think I'm going to just. Is that that's I watched that that was good too. Yeah, yeah, it's a. I haven't seen it. Um, but um, yeah, I feel like uh, there are black ones that I like. I like watching, but some of them are. Listen, oh my god! So I watched I. So I think I had not watched Love and Basketball in so long and I oh decided god, to watch it because so it, it just got on Netflix and I watched it and I was like, this is this the person who wrote this hates black women. Like Absolutely. there's that like- problem. <laughs> Me and one of my homies, we watched we watched um Waiting <laughs> Takes Hell and so yeah, yeah. and we were just like, this these are problematic. Like, why did we watch these and think like these had such great love stories? Like they don't at all. Like, at all. Um, they're very problematic. I know I'm so mad about that because I was like, I would love to be like, oh, this is the best, you know, one to watch, whatever. But it's like, I mean, Terry was right. Terry was the protagonist. Everybody else was the antagonist. I'm sorry, even Big Mama. She she should have just, you know, took care of her diet a little bit more too. Like, a lot of, pe- a lot of people were problematic. And, yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyways, yes. yeah. Let's or, wrap this up. <laughs> um, <laughs> final thoughts. My final thoughts is: give me more rom coms. I just want to see. Watch. Absolutely. I just I want to see like a nice blockbuster rom com. Because oh, I think shit. the last you know I forgot to mention what America Sweetheart. America Sweetheart. Oh, America Sweetheart. I, I think so that's good. That is honestly one of those those rom-coms that I can literally quote because it's not just a fun rom-com, but it's like it's like an homage to like old Hollywood. You know what yeah. I mean? Like because of the way that it's like a junket and everything. And that movie is just so freaking funny. I'm actually I was just thinking about it. I was like the I think like the last like rom-com that I watched in theaters was probably Crazy Rich Asians. Um and that's more I even like a that. romantic drama. Oh my god! I watched it and we watched it in theaters, and I cried during the wedding scene. And I always cry during the like I always do. I don't know. It's just so beautiful. Like it's just it's so, you've never watched it. Okay, so I know what we're watching this weekend. Not not gonna watch Crazy Rich Agents. <laughs> you for know the what first it is? Time. It was Aquafina. 
it, it was Aquafina. I'm yeah, sorry. I just got to like, ignore her. I feel her. like that was, but that was no, the height of because me, like, like, like literally face. the yeah. scene, I I cried, and I literally don't even know why I cried, but and I still cry every time I watch it. Like the wedding scene where she's just walking down the aisle, and then Kina Granis is singing, "I can't help falling in love with you," and I'm just like emotions and then you see the bride and the groom and i'm just getting emotional thinking about it <laughs> anyways more rom-coms any your final thoughts as we wrap this up yeah more rom-coms more more also just like independent speculative like fiction stuff like minority report and that kind of stuff this the type of yes. shit that they wouldn't make now like unless like probably also because of budget but you don't need to be high budget to be like to make a rom-com or to make a science fiction film I mean, you, you you really don't look at the fifth dimension, but um, yeah, that's kind of just where I sit on it. Um, definitely, I want more than Marvel, which is what we're getting. <laughs> so <laughs> more right? than Marvel. It's just like it's just like superhero movies, and then like I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like more more of the things that are interesting, the things that we read about, we want to see more on film. And not just on Netflix, because Netflix is definitely ghetto. So yes, do better. Please. Yeah, Netflix but is. Yeah, is, do you guys is, agree? Is, is, Let us know. For, for its for its downfall. Anyways, yeah. um, so where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter at Soju Chronicles, and you can find us at Gmail at Soju Chronicles at gmail.com. You know, um, we're always well, we're not always online, but we're fairly online. So you can always drop us or add us if you have something we should read, something we should watch, something we should talk about. We're always open to you know see if we're interested in that and yeah that's it yep that's thanks for for listening (laughs) Bye. bye